So, you know, it's so interesting because last week I was actually playing on the worship team. And uh, so many times I, I'm playing and I, I'm just listening for where the, the spirit's going as I play. If you don't know, I play the flute. Um, but it was one of the first times that I was playing and I started having the download of what the Lord wanted to share tonight. Well, that's great, except I'm trying to play and listen, and now I'm trying to hear the words that he's saying. It can be a challenge. So I'm like, Lord, it's great, but you're going to have to remind me later what all you just shared with me if I forget any of it. So as we were worshiping last week, what I kept hearing was the scripture. A lot of, a lot of times we use Psalms 22.3, which says, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. You are enthroned on the praises of Israel. Another interpretation that we hear is you inhabit the praises of our people. And so I kept hearing inhabit. I was like, oh, that's really cool. I love the fact tonight was a great time of his presence inhabiting us. So I started to look at the word inhabit. And I found a couple, I'm not a Greek scholar, so I'm going to preface that right now. I apologize if I slaughter this. I actually asked for help from those that do understand a little Greek. Um, but I found two words in scriptures for the word inhabit. Or another definition might be to dwell. One is oikeo, which is literally to inhabit or to dwell. The other one is katoiko or katoikeo. There's a couple of them. And it's, this one I love especially because it says... I dwell in, settle in, am established in, and it says permanently, inhabit. Hmm. So what does that look like in, in Scripture when God inhabits the praises of his people? So I went searching for that. And there's a couple really great examples. First one, Paul and Silas in the jail. What happens? Acts. Well, I'm going to read it. Acts 16. We're starting in verse 23. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And then suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were loose. Would you say God was inhabiting their praises there? Amen, I would say too. Here's another example. Let's go look at uh, Second Chronicles. So this is uh, King Jehoshaphat. Starting in verse 18, it says, Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness. My favorite thing is pronouncing all the different names in here. The wilderness of Tekoya. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Because they're heading into battle. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. After consulting the people, this is the part I love, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. Here's the Levites again, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. 
This is what they sang. And we have a song that we always sing. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. So that's what they're singing, right? At that very moment, they begin to sing and praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst, them, amongst themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies laying around, as far as the eye could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. I was like, wow, that's pretty powerful too, wouldn't you say? They sang, boom. So you're probably saying, great, so if I go around all day singing, right, everywhere we go, we'll just sing all day, God will dwell with me, right? What if you did? You think something might change? Now, realistically, it's hard for us to say we'll walk around all day singing out loud for other people to hear. Remember, it's make a joyful noise sometimes. So, but what I think I'm, I, what I'm trying to say is, and what I felt like the Lord said, wherever the Spirit of the Lord inhabits or dwells, the atmosphere, atmosphere has no recourse but to change. So when I look at that description, I'm like, yeah, I want the Lord to inhabit where I'm at. Because I want, we're all called to be atmosphere changers, right? When I look at um, 1 Corinthians 3, it says, you realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God. And God himself dwells in you or is present in you or inhabits you. No one will get by vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred. And remember, you are his temple. So I'm looking at inhabit, and then comes the next word, habitable. Habitable places. What, is, what does that mean? So if God's going to inhabit the praises of our people, doesn't he need to have a place to inhabit? A place that is welcoming and open and ready for him? So I, I, I looked up, what does habitable mean? I love these. These are suitable or good enough to live in. A residence that is safe and can be occupied in reasonable comfort. A place that provides conditions that are good enough to live in. Now, when I say habitable spaces, if anybody watches HDTV, the first thing you might have thought of, no, this is not a secret episode of Hoarders or Property Brothers. You know, Hoarders, has anybody ever watched it? Yeah, I've watched one episode, I think. It's kind of scary because it shows somebody who is so full of stuff in their house. Or Property Brothers that shows you how to maybe remodel or rearrange or redo your house to make it more habitable, more pleasing, more acceptable, more inviting. So I stopped to ask myself at that point, yeah, you might have made this correlation already, I'm not talking about your physical home, but I'm talking about our body, our spirit, our soul, our mind. And I have to say, hmm, 
Is my space habitable? Why wouldn't I want God to dwell with me all the time? And if he's not, why is he not? Is it because I haven't made time or a place for him? Possible. Because when I look at God's desire to inhabit me, to dwell with me, and I look at some of the scriptures, uh, one of the ones I want to share, Ephesians 3.17. This is a long one, so I like the, the Amplified on this one. May he grant you out of the rich of his, riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, which is the indwelling of your innermost being and personality, so that Christ may dwell, may inhabit in your hearts through faith. And may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending the width, the length, the height, the depth of his love. And I love this that they put in the little parentheses, fully experiencing that amazing, amazing and endless love. And that you may come to know, practically through personal experience, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. And that you may be, this is the part I really love, that you may be filled up throughout your entire being, being to the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. I don't know about you, but I want the fullness of God. And so when I think about what does that look like to create a habitable space for God to be in all the time, what am I potentially not doing? I, I want to have his fullness. I want to achieve what he has destined for me. I want to welcome him here. It causes me to stop and take inventory. Silent pauses are good sometimes. Makes you stop and think for a second. What am I, where am I at in what I'm, what I'm hearing, Lord? What are you speaking to me? What I found was, I think a lot of times we replace the word habitable with habitual. And we create a habitual place for God to be in our lives. What do I mean by that? Is it just Sundays? Is it just Wednesday nights when you come and let God inhabit and be a part of your life? Is it just your special prayer time in the closet at home? The definition of a habit is something you do continuously or it becomes routine or it's like, oh, I can use this example because he's not here. It's probably very habitual and very rarely is Jay not here, but yet when he's not here, nobody sits in his seat because it's a habit. Everybody knows that that's his seat. It's almost like we, we, we could remove that seat because nobody sits there if he's not here. Very rarely, not always, but it's habitual. It's this, we come in and do the same thing. Do you get up and do that every day? Do you look at your routine every day and say, hmm, God, where do you fit in this picture? Makes me think of Colossians. Let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you. 
dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your being as you teach and admonish and train one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. If you haven't gotten it, I'm talking about obviously a lifestyle, a lifestyle of creating a place. Does God want to dwell with us? Absolutely. Is he with us all the time? Absolutely. But a lot of times, oh, here's a word from the past that we used in church a long time ago. We compartmentalize God, right? We keep him in this one little place. But we don't give him full access to every area of our life. What if God wants to inhabit your workplace? If we go back to he inhabits the praises of our people, and we talked about the change of the atmosphere, and I, I truly believe that you are an atmosphere changer. You carry the very presence of God, and when you let him work through you, you will become an atmosphere changer no matter where you're at. Is it at work? Oh, and then there's a few that get hard. Is it at the gym? Sometimes your eyes want to wander. Sometimes you say stuff you don't want to say because you didn't do something right and it hurt. Um, maybe it's the grocery store where the people, behind, uh, the people in front of you are going slow and it irritates you a little bit. Oh, irritating. That would be traffic on I-25. Does God inhabit your car? Oh, luckily we don't have to do this one very often, but um, if you ever go to the Department of Motor Vehicles, you definitely want God's presence there because it's a long wait. Simple examples of things that sometimes we take for granted in our daily lives of we think it's routine, but God wants to be a part of every part of our routine. Right? So then I start to look at, okay, what are some of the things I have to do to create a habitable space? It's not real hard. One, you've got to be able to surrender completely. You've got to be able to let go of the areas of your life that you feel like you need to be in control of all of the time, that you need to have your own agenda. Oh, wait, that's the second thing. You need to let go of your agenda. You need to be willing to let God say, you know what? Here's what I want you to do today. He knows your responsibilities. He knows the things that, that need to be done. He knows your family. He knows your job. He knows all of those things. So if you give him complete control and let him organize your day, don't you think he's going to make it a productive and prosperous day if we let him dwell with us? But sometimes we're like, nah, I'll, just keep, I'll keep here until I get back home because i got to focus on all these things. And it's not just down the workplace. It happens in the church, too. You have to spend time. That's the, that's the hardest one. That's the most precious commodity we all have right now, time. But yet, what's the first thing we all say when somebody asks for help or there's something going, oh, hey, do you want to go out this weekend and do something? Oh, I just don't have time. But we also say that to God. I just don't have time. When in reality, we have all the time <laughs> there is. We just don't manage our time well. 
Amen? Or oh me. Yeah. <laughs> or both. Yeah. So let me go back to HGTV. This might be a secret episode of Hoarders or Property Brothers as you stop and take time to take inventory. When you look at your heart, when you look at your life, maybe you've become so comfortable with taking everything that you get, good, bad, ugly, trash, beauty, gold, riches, whatever it may be, and you've stored it right here. And it's so cluttered that you can't even tell. And you've become so familiar with it that it feels comfortable to you, but it's not inhabitable to anybody else that wants to visit. Or God. Is there room for God to truly get in through all of the stuff that you had? If he wanted to make a way, he could, but he's a gentleman. He wants you to invite him in. He wants you to say, I welcome you. I want you to have a place in my heart. I want you to be involved in my life. I want you to be in my innermost being. I want you to lead, guide, direct. I don't want to have to do this all on my own. Maybe you're not a hoarder. But maybe it's time for a little remodel. Maybe you need to knock out a couple walls and make a little more space, make it a little bit more inviting. Maybe rearrange the furniture. It's been sitting in the same place for so long that it just all looks routine. Or, and this is one I've been looking at as I work on this, you know, that's the best, best thing about Preparing a message is you got to look at yourself, too, and say, hmm, yeah, okay, thanks, Lord, yeah. Um, are there some habitual things that need to be addressed in your life? Have you replaced the mere presence of God with a habit? Even simple prayer time become, can become habitual in a bad sense if all you do is say, that's the only time I'm going to call on you, rely on you, and look to you, God, for guidance and direction and and to hear your voice. That can become a bad habit. Is this too heavy? Are y'all okay? Yeah, okay. I'm with, I'm with you. I say all of these things as I want to go all the way back to the top when I read the good part at the beginning. When we heard the stories of God showing up and taking care of all the enemies, setting, the, setting Paul and Silas free. I mean, that's what I want to walk in. I want to go everywhere I go. I want God's presence to be so powerful, not because of me, but through me. I want to be a willing vessel that so permeates his presence that it changes not just the atmosphere, but I want to walk up and I want to say, hey, it's so great to meet you today. Boom. And she feels something so powerful. And she's like, Whoa, what was that? We have the ability to do that. We have the ability to change someone's perspective, to change their life, to change their direction. Sometimes with a simple smile. You know how many of us don't even smile? We have the good news, and we don't even smile. 
You know what happens when you smile? And I just did it and I watched. Y'all all smiled back at me. Sometimes it's, it is the touch. It's the handshake or just, hey, I'm here. For, if it's somebody you know, I mean, don't run up to pure strangers and give them a big hug. They might not like that. And you might be visiting with other people that are in uniform. Um, <laughs> and sometimes it's the gentle word. It's the encouraging word. I mean, it may be a coworker, somebody that you do know what's going on in their life. And they may know Christ. They may not know Christ. But they may not have as much revelation of who Christ is in their life as you do. And what's the beautiful thing about what we do, being a body, is that we're here to help each other on this path. We're not all in this alone. Is anybody in on this alone? This, uh, I, I'm here to help you if you feel like you're on this alone. Ephesians 2.22 actually says that. It says, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives, inhabits, dwells within us. Oh, this is a good one, but it wasn't the one I was going to share. <laughs> Carefully guard the precious truth that's been entrusted to you. Actually, I just read you 2 Timothy. What I want to read is Ephesians 2.22, <laughs> which says, In him, in fellowship and with one another, you, a collective you, are also being built together into a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. So the fellowship of each other is another place also that God can inhabit and dwell. That's why gatherings like this are huge. That's why Sundays, Wednesday nights, home groups, life groups, when we have the opportunity to gather together to sing his praises, to pray to him, to worship him, but also to fellowship with one another, it's a way to strengthen and encourage those of us that are, are struggling. None of us have arrived. If you have, please come up and take over. We're all on a journey. We all face different things. Some of us are further in a journey than others, and we can help them not face the same things we face. This goes back to some of the things we've heard over the last few weeks and even months. Pastor Jenny shared a few months ago about the power of the tongue. And the words that we speak have life or death in them. Not just for ourselves, but for the people that we come, to, that we come in contact with, what we have to say. The power of tongue is very, very powerful. So is what Ray shared a couple weeks ago, the word of our testimony. Is the word of our testimony singing praises to God, thus inviting him to inhabit, or is it edifying the world? Is our testimony talking about, oh, you wouldn't believe what happened today. I can't, I can't believe I have to deal with all of this. This is so, so silly, and I just I can't deal with it. And yeah, 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 yeah. What happens with the, that testimony? Yeah, 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 yeah. Does it edify and encourage? No. Does it create potentially strife, envy, anger? Quite possible, depending on what you say. I'm going to have the worship team work their way back up. Because part of it is spending time in his presence. The songs we sing tonight, I love, I love your presence. When we have the opportunity, we, you've made a conscious effort to come tonight, to be in this place. Why? 
just so you can check it off your sheet, check it off your habit? Or is it because you came hungry for something? You came to have an experience, a refilling, something with God. I'm going for that one, that that's why you're here tonight. And when you do that, take advantage of the opportunity to spend time in his presence. Don't discount the time. Right? So as we get ready to enter back into worship, this is an opportunity for you one-on-one to spend time. I want you to think about the different areas that I, I was just talking about. Are, are you a spiritual hoarder in your life? Are you hoarding things that you need to let go of? You may or may not be aware of it. This is a great opportunity to say, Lord, help me see the things that I'm putting up around that are preventing you from wanting to dwell with me. I won't say it that way because he wants to dwell with you. What are the things that I'm putting up that are keeping me from dwelling with you, Lord? That's probably the better way to say it. Or evaluate, have I closed off parts of my house? Have I sectioned them off? Have I locked the door? Have I thrown away the key? Or do I just need to do a remodel? Do I need to do a refresh? Maybe you've never come to know Christ personally. You've never asked him to be in your heart. What a great opportunity to invite the lover of your soul, the person that wants to help you walk into the destiny and the purpose and the plans that you have in your life. You have an opportunity to invite him in to help you rearrange, to help open up, to make it into an inviting place. And if you've never given your life to Christ, it's a great opportunity tonight, and I invite you to do so. I'll be down here while we're worshiping if you want to talk, if you want to walk through that. Is this something you need someone to pray with you over to do? No, you don't have to. Can you? For some, it might be a pride issue. You're afraid to say, hmm, I do have a habitual problem of just, this is the only time I have for God, or this is the only way I experience a God. Can you pray with me? Sometimes that helps break it right there. And I invite you to, this is the beautiful part. Again, remember what Mike said a few weeks ago. We're growing into a deeper level of spiritual maturity. And in that, we're not the ministers, you are. We're here to train and equip you. And so this is a great opportunity for you to be a minister to those around you. If somebody, if you need prayer, ask for it. They're equipped to be a minister. They're equipped to pray over you. They have the same spirit in them that you have in you, that I have in me, that wants to make a change. So I, I want to invite us to stand. You don't have to.
And I want to say tonight, if you're in need of a miracle, if you're clinging for a healing, if you're looking for a breakthrough financially, spiritually, physically, emotionally, whatever it may be, let's go back to the beginning, the stories that I shared. What happened? God inhabited the praises of his people and miracles broke forth. Defeated an entire army without the, the army coming have to do a fight. Release people from prison. If he can do that, can't he meet the need that you have tonight? Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt, I know that he can. And does he want to? Yes. But even if he doesn't do it for you tonight, will you still invite him to dwell with you in your heart? Will you invite him to be a part? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this group of people tonight. Father, I thank you for your presence that's here right now, Father. I just thank you for what you're doing in and through each of us. Father, it's a journey. I think we have the opportunity every week to hear different aspects of how you are moving and working, what you want to say to us through through those of us that get up and share. But I love the, uh, the fact that we have the opportunity every day to dive into the word ourselves and to hear what you're saying with us as well, Father God. And I just pray for a new level of hunger in this room tonight, in the people that are here, Father God, for a deeper desire to go after the things that they've heard you say in the past or, Father God, that you would speak new things into their lives. Maybe they've never heard your voice or your leading, Father God. I ask tonight that you would touch them in a new way. They would know your presence is real to them tonight in a way that they've never experienced before. Father, help us as we take an inventory, as we look at ourselves. Help us to, to find places where we may have let you in at one point, but we've closed it off. Or... We've just given you no access at all because it's not something we either want to deal with, we want to remember, or we've clung to it as part of our identity and so we don't want you to take, take it away. So Father, now I just pray over to these people as we, we press in to worship you, Father God, I just ask that you would inhabit this place. Father God, that your power would fall so strongly that we would have no recourse but for the atmosphere to change in our lives. And Father, we just come to you right now, boldly, and we thank you for moving and working in our lives as we worship you.